Are you interested in improving your procurement and negotiation skills and understanding? Well, this is the podcast for you. The Procurement Podcast with Andy and Christoph. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Procurement Podcast. I'm Andy Franks uh, from Bright Sky Clear Mind. And as always, on my right-hand side is Christophe Barrier-Vajou. And uh, Christophe, would you like to introduce yourself and this week's guest? Yeah, Christophe Barrier-Vajou from uh, BBW Global, a procurement consultancy firm. And this week we have Rod Lambert from the New South Wales Fire Services. Rural fire service. Service, sorry, I keep <laughs> adding the yes at the end. I do that all the time. Rod, thanks for joining us. Not a problem, my pleasure. Welcome, Rod. Thanks very much for, for giving up the time. Um, what we uh, we like to do on procurement podcast is start off with a very easy question. And the very easy question is, so, what is procurement? <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that. Yeah. Hospital pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, so I suppose in our organisation, procurement's the end-to-end um, identification of a need, acquisition, and management of, of a good or service, and then the disposal of it. So, so I have um, control over that, that entire um, process, you know, the, the planning, identification of the need, and then through to the, you know, the sourcing and, and then the ultimate disposal. Fantastic, well that's a very succinct and, and uh, appropriate a summary, better, certainly better than I could ever manage when I was, when I was on the other side of the table. Um, before we get into the real sort of nitty gritty of, of procurement and and some of the issues that that you find challenging and, and you'd perhaps like us to uh, collectively address in the procurement community and the broad procurement community, um, would you be able to give us a little insight into into how you how you found your way into procurement? You know, did your careers officers say? I know what you're going to do, Rod. You're going to do <laughs> procurement, <laughs> procurement for the whole of your days. Or it's really interesting because I was actually in a meeting earlier this week, and um, my two IC said um, nobody ever leaves school wanting to get into procurement. And then she said, "Oh, perhaps Rod's an exception." <laughs> well, I'm definitely not an exception. Um, I actually came from um, HR, okay, and I was working in a small country office for another government department, and because it was small, we were all cross-skilled to, to cover when people weren't there. And my cross-skill was um, managing the, the store while the store's officer yeah. wasn't there. So anyway, um, that was okay. And I knew enough to do local purchase orders and keep the wheels turning whilst he was on leave or, or whatever. So I was on holidays this time and um, unbeknownst to me, whilst I was away, um, he took a redundancy package. Oh. So I've come back and gone to sit at my desk uh, in HR to do the payroll and the, the boss came in and he said, um, your job's not here anymore. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're down in the store. The, the store's <laughs> office is gone and, and you're it. And so <laughs> certainly I was thrown to the wolves. And to be, to be honest, I was dragged kicking and screaming. I wasn't yeah. really happy. I was in a comfort zone. Yeah. Um, you know, I was across payroll, knew what I was doing. And suddenly I'm thrust in this whole new world where I was really paddling to keep my head above above water, suddenly supervising warehouse staff and a whole heap of things I'd never really been oh, wow. exposed to. Yeah. So after kicking and screaming and, and him ultimately saying to me, well, you've got two choices. There's a job in the store or the front gate it's up there. <laughs> and you had to sign your own paper for the front gate. <laughs> so I basically said, okay, and um, I'm happy with that and I'll do the best job I possibly can. So I went down there and 
figured, well, I might as well understand what I'm trying to do here. So I think um, I was probably in my early 40s, late 30s, early 40s, something like that, and decided I'd better get a qualification. So I, I did a business degree that majored in purchasing and materials management and um, haven't looked back. It's actually the best thing that's happened to me oh, in my career. I've really, really enjoyed it. And you go up to the payroll people now, I think, oh, glad I'm not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So it's been quite a journey from, from the beginning up until today as the CPU of New South Wales Fire Service. Uh, you work for some of the major uh, government agencies as well. Uh, and so that learning curve would have been very, very steep. Yes, yes. Um, I've been fortunate in so far as my whole career has been in the New South Wales government. And I've been in a number of agencies across different sorts of functions. So I've been um, in New South Wales Health, which is obviously human services. Um, I've been in some engineering organisations, uh, the electricity uh, transmission side of things. Um, and um, I've also been in, in agriculture, which is more research and regulatory. So this is my first foray now into emergency services, which is uh, just another, uh, another chapter. Um, and it's interesting that whilst we're all on the face of it doing the same thing and we're all undertaking procurement processes, we all have the, each of those different um, functional areas have a bit of a different spin on it and a and a different um, focus. Yeah. So you know, obviously health was you know the the under the overriding factor in everything was saving people's lives. We want to make people well. That's yeah. all they cared about. Yeah. Um, here it's stopping houses and property burning and 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 saving people's lives. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting. You've got that different organisational drive yeah. uh, in, in the way you undertake your procurement activities. And I think but it's very interesting though because the underlying, value, uh, underlying values are so sound in terms of saving lives, saving lives again, and, and also then, you know, saving land and property mm. um, and, uh, and livestock as well, you know, all those challenges. Um, put that in, you know, if you, if you say what, what is it ultimately you do and, and that's the underlying story, that's, you, you can live comfortably with that. You know, I think if it is to buy X number of widgets to do something, perhaps you might think that there's... there's well, that's, that's probably what most people think about procurement. You're yeah. here to buy, you know, goods and services at the cheapest possible price and good luck. Mm. But, you know, as you know, this is a lot of work dealing with people internally. Um, did, you, did you have any, um, you know, any challenges or, or do you have any, um, you know, you cannot do the procurement for everyone, so you have to teach people how to procure on their behalf and develop skills within within their own teams as well, mm. uh, because the procurement team for the size of an organisation, the size of New South Wales um, uh, Rural Fire uh, Service, is, is too big. Your team, procurement team, if you do do procurement for everyone, it will be way too too big. So, what what were the challenges in in dealing with you know um, helping people do their own procurement? Yeah. So, so you're you're, you're right there. Um, we have a centre-led model um, and our procurement team at the strategic level, there's um, effectively two of us. Um, I've got a couple of transactional people and then a procurement advisor that engages with them. It's a very small team and as you say, it would be impossible for us to do it. Um, and the organisation has made the decision that the central procurement team, our, our role is to um, align and plan procurement uh, in accordance with the organisational objectives and, and the organised corporate plan, um, and to put the processes and systems and tools in place to enable the business 
to, to be able to undertake their own procurement activity. And we come in and support that as necessary. There are you know, a couple of quite sophisticated um, procurement areas. ICT guys are pretty good here. Um, and then there's a, some of the operational guys maybe not quite as good because they, they do it so irregularly. Um, so that's been one of the challenges here is to how do we improve that broad capability within the organisation? Yeah. Um, the, the good thing for me or the advantage for me is that the organisation has been willing to invest in it. So that they've, they've seen the fact that they've created this, this model that the way they want procurement to, to operate. Um, but they've also seen the need, if we want to do it that way, we need to invest in our people to enable it to happen effectively and efficiently. So it's, it's really a change management effort more than anything. And, and then uh, as opposed to doing procurement for them, it's a, it's a coaching and mentoring on how to do procurement for themselves. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was challenging early on because I've been here just on three years now. And when I came, that was the same time that the decision was made to refocus procurement. Um, you know, like most of us, our first day in the new job, you go in, you sit down with the boss and he basically lays out his plan for you. And one of the first things he said to me, he said, I want you to get out of the weeds. You've got to be strategic yeah. about this. Uh, and pri prior to that, procurement had been very transactional. Mode. It hadn't really been delivering value to the organisation. So that, that was my mandate to, to actually sit above procurement and actually see how we're going to do it properly. Um, so, so this centre-led model um, evolved and um, early on, um, when we're saying to the business, well, you've got to go and do these procurement, yeah. they'd push back and say, well, what does procurement do for us? You know, <laughs> what, what do you actually do? You're just sitting there telling us to go off and do it. Yeah. Uh, and as, we, as that started to embed, um, they actually saw the benefit of it and, and have now embraced the fact that they have that freedom to do it for themselves. They're not relying on somebody else to, to come in and do it for them. Um, so that's been, that's been good. And, and part of that success has been the fact that we've been bringing these people in and, and saying, well, you know, this is how you draft a specification. Mm -hmm. um, this is how you plan a negotiation. Yeah. This is how you do an evaluation. So all of those sort of procurement activities that go through the source, you know, primarily the sourcing, um, we've given training to these people and exposed them to it. Um, and as their skills have developed, they've been much more comfortable in that space. And that, yeah. That's a slow process though. That's a, it's not something that happens overnight though. Yeah. It's, a, it's a slow... Yeah. Um, well, it seems like a slow process, but it's also, I think it's quite a progressive attitude because not every is, yeah. not every organisation would have the comfort and not every CPO would have the comfort in saying, actually, do you know what, I'm just going to do the strategic bit because there is a tendency, certainly, uh, that, and um, in, in, I think in our ex collective experience, that we've seen CPOs who just really, well, I really like that category, I, I'm going to major in that because that's my favourite bit. I'm not going to touch that because I don't understand it, but you know, I'll take the credit when we do a good job and, and then, <laughs> then I won't take a credit. But I think to, to have a strategic view, say, okay, look, this, these are the tools you need. Um, and it's, it's very interesting when you're on the other side of the table responding to, to uh, you know, RFPs and, and RFQs and, and you know, all the whole, whole gamut of opportunity is to say, Quite a few people will defer to procurement as as almost you know they're the, the the Darth Vader in the room you know the the Death Star of procurement 
can can be used to um, to disrupt a negotiation from from a from a seller's perspective. From sorry, from a buyer's perspective, um, it's always well. Of course, I'd love to give you the business, but procurement have said, uh, and, and then when people who are now responsible in those individual departments, they can't defer to procurement in the same way as being, well, the, you know. They are responsible now. Yeah, they, they are responsible. They are, they are owning but, the. But I think that, that, that you know, I, I think it's a really progressive uh, approach and I think it's, uh, it's admirable and, and it's the right one. It's not just a good thing to do. It is the right thing to do as well, so. It's, um, it's really interesting when you touched on a couple of things there is the fact that What's happened a few times here is that um, when a negotiation's been difficult or it hasn't been sort of panning out the way we might think, um, procurement's been called in as the yeah. black hat. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm the ogre sitting in the corner yeah. and they, you know, they've said to me, can you come in and actually try and get this back on track or, or push this forward? And you know, so I've got to be the, yeah. the bad cop. Um, yeah. It's pretty good fun, actually. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I love, the honesty. The honesty, is, do you know, is really good fun when you do that. I th- no, I think that's absolutely right. I think it's certainly the way businesses uh, and organisations, be they you know, government, not-for-profit charities, whatever it might be, um, sometimes negotiations do do go out of kilter, they go off track, and both sides can see themselves drifting away from... They know they've got to work together, but they don't. they can't see because personality potentially or timing or another factor is starting to blur the fact that you should be working together. Um, and uh, it's, uh, you know, and the procurement are, are called in with the, the black mask and the, and, the, and the deep, heavy breathing. Uh, I suppose when you, when you adopt this model, is, is everyone's got a different level of procurement skills and knowledge and experience. So you, you deal with a team that, you know, some, may, some team members may be familiar with some of these activities. Um, and you have to operate within certain rules, especially within governments, you know, abiding by the policies and guidelines. And, and Yeah, and, and, and that's the important thing that I structure the procurement process so that we're running a compliant process. Uh, we're in the, pro, in the, in the middle of uh, designing a electronic source to contract system, which will um, assist people going through a compliant staged process. So we're, we're really excited about that. Uh, and just go back a little bit to um, Angie. Andy mentioned categories. Yes. That's one of the other ways that we've we've uh, engaged procurement in the business a lot closer. Is the fact that we've created uh, fifteen categories, which cover probably around ninety five percent of our spend. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Um, but our category managers are from the business, so again, it's a procurement supported activity, but it's not a procurement led activity. Yeah. So we've deferred to the SMEs in those spaces, you know, the, the, the fleet guy and, and the aviation people uh, and the, the um, ICT people. Yeah. And we've given them the, the, the mandate to, to run their category, yeah. how they see fit. So it's, it's done under the auspices of procurement and, and overseen by me, but we're not driving that. We're letting the business drive that. Yeah. So it's giving them that autonomy. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the day, they're, they're the experts. They understand what's happening yeah. in their area and the new innovations that are coming in and, and what suppliers are doing and what the market's looking like and those sorts of things. So, I mean, from my perspective, I think, why wouldn't I utilise yeah, yeah. that that expertise we have in, in, the, um, 
in the organisation. So it's almost effectively you're almost being or you've almost set yourselves up as as internal consultants to the to the various different uh, SMEs, and uh, because uh, yeah, as you say, that they know what the requirements are, they know what's genuinely fit for purpose. You're just giving them a structure and support and some guidance on on the best way forward to yes. to establish. Yes, that. and then then I can. I can actually then manage and direct the procurement function at that corporate level yeah. to to make sure that we're we're contributing to the organisational um, ad- objectives and focus areas and, and and align align with those rather than just going off doing ad hoc bits and pieces of buying things here and there and so so we like to think we're a lot more organised now and yeah. a lot more structured in the way we we plan it and approach it. There's still a lot of work to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that oh, we're, no. the, we're the be all and end all and have it have it nailed. Um, I'm not saying that at all. But I think it's that the I think the interesting thing is that um, by setting up like this, that actually, yeah, there is still there's a huge amount of work to be done to make sure that you know, while, you know whilst everybody's running their own projects and and their own tenders and and, and the, the phasing will more likely suit them as opposed to, you know, if if you're one individual centralised procurement function, you say, well, you know, first cab off the rank is this this category, then this, then this, then this. But then I would imagine they'll be running to their own timetables and therefore there might come a position where, you know, 10 out of the 15 categories, it comes to a head. Or, or is it something that you try, try and get them to phase so that you can focus? Um, or not it's, well, it's not, it's it's not something that's actually arisen at this point in time so uh, it's it's not an issue that we've had to had to manage so um, by and large they they run their own race yeah uh, yeah which is which is great because it just means it's that it's more you know, it's more uh, appropriate for the for that department or for that that piece of the the, the organization just a general question before you leap in Christoph um, is the is this model one that's used widely within in government or is it just something that is is pretty unique oh no I wouldn't say it's unique well, um, there are certainly different um, versions of of organizational models I'm certainly aware of um, a number of agencies that have a centralized procurement Function, um, but um, uh, yeah, the challenge is to what level of effectiveness that department is actually mm. working. Because as we mentioned before, some teams might be really skilled in in procurement; they have some experience. Other teams have very limited knowledge, mm. um, so, and so it's yeah. We're we're lucky here in so far as we're we're a mid tier agency. We're not overly big, um, so we're really quite flexible and um, really able to adapt quite quickly. Um, this sort of model wouldn't really work in health. It's just too big yeah. um, and it's a much more centralised function there, albeit with a lot of stakeholder engagement. Um, so, so you know, I think um, you know, some of the other larger agencies are much the same. They try and try and centralise their procurement yeah. function a little bit more yeah. than us. Um, but yeah, so that's the advantage we have, and I think that um, we'd be crazy not to use it. And it sounds as though it makes you more agile, which is much more agile. Which I think is always something that procurement's accused of of not being. You know, the traditional is oh, you know, we, we want to push ahead, but procurement are getting in the way. We want to do this, but procurement won't let us. You know, which is, and it's certainly not the way it needs to be. That's it's interesting you say that because that's something that I've. Um, tried to reinforce within the team is that we're a support function 
for the organisation and, and for the core business. We're not the core business and we're not to be a speed bump. Yeah. Uh, so we're there to enable the business and, um, and it's something that I'm really passionate about yeah. is that we're, we're not here for procurement. Procurement is here for the business. Well, that's normally the last question we ask. Is <laughs> what's more important is procurement. But you've answered that, and that's great because, yeah, absolutely. I think, think, that's I think if you adopt a model like yours, a centrally led model, is, is you start from a benchmark a base of skills base of what is the business capable of doing procurement wise. Mm. And then the, the role over the months and years to come is to upskill as much of those teams as possible by supporting them, mentoring them, coaching them giving them structures, tools, methodologies, framework. And then what I've been trying to do with some of the clients is, is to help one team help the other team. So they self-teach one another mm. to bring the whole skill level up. And that has worked pretty well. Yeah. 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 What we also need to be aware of is the fact that the New South Wales government has a capability framework across the whole public service. Uh, and that's a standard framework for all the different roles regardless of what agency you're in. As far as I'm aware, every agency, uh, every every role description has procurement as at least a foundational capability. Mm. So the expectation across New South Wales government is that every employee at least has a minimum level of capability in, in procurement. Um, so we're addressing that by uh, mandating uh, online procurement training, which is which is offered across New South Wales government, but it's a free um, online training that, that you can get to through um, through central agencies. So we're mandating that every staff member's got to do that. Um, so we're going to give everybody that foundational level of capability. Well, it's a long term investment into your employee as well, and and well, what it does that yeah. that becomes uh, a portable skill, so they can take anywhere within New South Wales government and say, I have yeah. this capability now here, I can prove it. Yeah. Um, I've, I've done that training and I've, I've actually operated at that level. So so there's there's a bit in, I mean, whilst we're gonna be making people to do the training, yeah. uh, there's something in it for them uh, yeah. as they progress their careers Absolutely. within the New South Wales public sector. And I think that, that broader, a broader knowledge um, can only help any organisation because the opportunities uh, or the, I, I, I think it, it will, it will um, reduce the amount of internal friction if everybody's got a bit of a, an understanding, uh, you know, working knowledge of procurement. Uh, then they'll suddenly it won't be the oh you know bloody production. It will be oh right I understand why this needs to be done and why it's being done in this way. So that that makes a huge amount of uh, the the other thing I've found is that a lot of people tend to think they can do procurement. They they go, they, they spend money in their own life. They said, you know, oh, like, we can all buy off eBay and Amazon. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, um, and Absolutely. So that's one of the challenges is actually saying, well, actually, it's not quite the same as what you might, you know, go down to Harvey Norman and buy a TV on Saturday morning or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, so it is very different. And, and the other thing that we need to remember in our space, especially, is the fact that we're spending public money. Yeah. Um, so we need to always be accountable for that and, and very transparent in what we do uh, and it needs to be front of our, our thoughts at all times, um, you know, being able to demonstrate the fact that we're getting value for money. And if you had to give a few tips on to uh, other CPOs in government agencies or organisations on how to develop that central-led um, 
approach? What would you say to them? Uh, the key to it's stakeholder engagement, uh, understanding who your, I don't like to use the term, but who your champions are out there. So that there are people who get it in the business and there are people who have done it. Mm. Um, and it's identifying them and, and leveraging them outside of the procurement. So you've got people other than procurement spreading the message and, and demonstrating it. And I've been lucky enough, I've got a couple of really good ones here. Um, and the problem is you tend to flog that horse a little bit. <laughs> and um, one of the managers here, you know, too. <laughs> he, he answers the phone and I, he said, you're here to stitch me up again, aren't you? <laughs> uh, but I mean, to me, that, that's, that's been one of the keys for us is the fact that um, it hasn't been a message that's been purely run by procurement. Um, the other key to our success, I think, is the fact there's uh, executive support and, and demonstration of that. Uh, if there's one thing I could say in the time I've been here is that the support I've received from the executive in transforming the procurement function has been second to none. Mm -hmm. um, they've been so supportive of anything we've wanted to do and the organisation sees that support. It doesn't have to be overt, but they they yeah. see you know, things are happening and, and people in the business understand that things can't change and can't happen without the executive yeah. endorsement of it. So, so the fact that we're able to make changes, it automatically equates to the fact that, well, you know, Rod must have the executive on side here to be able to, yeah. to do that and to achieve that. So um, that takes people along as well. Absolutely. I think it, it's, it's always, it's imperative to have that executive support. If you don't have it, then, then and, and quite interestingly, in those organisations where the, often there's two strands of the executive. There's there's the sort of uh, the financial imperatives which are driving one part of the executive picture, and then the, then there's potentially in the broader broader commercial or almost um, emotional aspect of the business. And and I'm talking more perhaps about um, not so much in terms of government agencies because there's a very clear focus around what you're all collectively you know doing within the organisation. But sometimes it, the executive can be torn. They think procurement's just about saving money. And then actually the other part, the executive might be thinking, no, it's about getting, it's about supporting the business as you outlined at the beginning in the way that's most appropriate and you know, so enables things to function, not just at the cheapest you know, cut price level. Mm -hmm. And some of that comes down to the way the executive is remunerated uh, for them to, yeah, that might well be what's driving I think that's a, that's a whole different podcast here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a different, yeah. yeah. That's probably been uh, the one big change uh, in procurement since I started out too many years ago um, is the fact that we've been able, especially in the government space, we've been able to evolve from that cheapest as best yeah. um, thinking and and we're much more focused on value for money yeah. now and, and bringing non-price uh, qualitative um, aspects into evaluations yeah. a lot more yeah. um, and it's it's certainly leading to much better outcomes for the business and, and you know, the people of New South Wales. Um, so it's good that um, there's still pockets of that, that people will use, oh, this is the cheapest, it must be the best. And, yeah. um, you know, some of the concepts like total cost of ownership yeah. and and um, fitness for purpose and those yeah, sorts of things right. are, no, are sometimes... Super responsiveness as well. I mean, if you if there yeah. are... Yeah, I'm... Look, that's a really good one for us because we have a huge reliance and um, 
not an expectation, but a desire for suppliers to respond really, really quickly when we're in an operational phase. Yeah. And some of the support we get is just amazing. Yeah. Um, in the in, in the recent fires we had here, we had our um, our water supplier turning around pallets of bottled water for the firefighters within two hours. Mm. You know, so you can't mm. you can't put a price on that sort of yeah. responsiveness. Um, so it's important that we keep those supplier relationships at a really, really um, good level. You know, particularly when you're talking at that sort of, uh, or, you know, life and death in some cases. Oh, it you is, know, yeah. Just the uh, importance of that is uh, that you then start to think, actually, from a you know, procurement perspective, that's a really, you know, to, to have established that relationship, to maintain that relationship, to have chosen the, the appropriate supplier who can manage that, that's, you know, far outweighs, you know, Almost everything. Well, you see, the the track. overall need or the overall objective of procurement is, is a lot more than procuring goods and services. It's helping people survive mm-hmm. by having the right relationships with the internal stakeholder, the internal team, the right suppliers, the right level of responsiveness, and not having to reduce the price of the bare bone where the suppliers cannot even operate themselves. Mm-hmm. Because then, what do you do? You don't save lives. So it's uh, it's, yeah. it's really important yeah, it, to have the, the full mm-hmm. cycle. Yeah. We've got to recognise the fact that business is there to make money and they're allowed to make a profit. Yeah. And we're not here to erode that profit. We're here to, to get the best value yeah. we can. And it's worth 20 cents an extra bottle of water yeah. for me, yeah. for a supplier to come in and turn it around in a pallet in two hours when we're in the middle of fighting a fire. Yeah. It's worth much more than 20 cents yeah. to me. So you, you've got to look at these sorts of things holistically. We're, we're fortunate insofar as... We have a good reputation within the community for what we do, and suppliers like to be aligned with us as an organisation. So, um, where where we all you know like to be seen as an employer of choice, we also like to be seen as a customer of choice. Yes. Um, and we, I mean, I unashamedly say we leverage that, yeah. um, and as we should. Yeah. Um, but it's it's good that then when we got suppliers on board, who demonstrate that sort of behaviour, we need to support them as well. So one of the things that we're always grappling with is you know, paying on time, um, assisting them with, with R&D, those sorts of things that add value to us anyway as an organisation. But there's more to it than just buying and, yeah. and, and, yeah, and selling stuff. So um, that that's sort of the level that we're trying to, to move to in terms of our our supplier relationship management as well. Which is, yeah, which I think, again, I think it's just um, a a really strong progressive sign of of the way procurement can flex and change and is, has moved away from the dark ages very much into into a a far more positive space, which is... And which it should, you know, procurement is a lot more than buying and and selling. Yeah, I mean, you you often read about, you know, procurement getting a seat at the table and all those sorts of things. And it's fair to say that um, I sort of have a seat at the table yeah. here. Um, I'm certainly not in, in executive role in terms of the executive of the organisation, but um, I I have the the year of um, my executive director who, who does sit at that place. I've got the year of the chief financial officer who's at that executive level yeah. as well. So I have very clear and um, easy pathways to the yeah. executive. Um, so... Whilst, whilst I'm not sitting around the table with those guys all the time. What's that like, Rod? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, I'm, I'm able to go and, you know, knock on their door and say, hey, I want to talk to you about this, yeah. uh, or we need to do this, and they'll listen. And, um, which is great. Uh, it's having a, being in a supporting organisation, like you mentioned earlier, you know, where they support the procurement role across the business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're small, um, so there's not those, you know, levels of uh, management. You know, I was sitting at my desk the other day and you know, the commissioner rang. Yeah. You, you got five minutes for me. I need you to give me some advice about this. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. Well, that's yeah. So that's it's, great. It's really yeah. it's really easy. So the organisation has embraced the procurement function, and um, we came from a dark place. Yeah. And there's um, the before I before I got here, thankfully, but uh, there, there's things on the public record about um, procurement in New South Wales Royal Fire Service um, went terribly awry. Mm. Um, so I'm not telling any secrets, as I say, it's publicly available information. Yeah. But um, it, for me, it was good because yeah. it gave the organisation the, the uh, realisation that the procurement function yeah. um, can deliver something but can also go awry quite easily. Yeah. Um, and, and when I started, I, I was worried because I thought this could go one of two ways. Yeah. Either the organisation could say, procurement have screwed us over and done the wrong thing and gone off and lined their own pockets. Yeah. So why should we listen to them? Why should we do it the way yeah. they're telling us? Or alternatively, say, hang on, procurement can actually get us into a bit of strife if we don't do it properly. Yeah. We need to rethink the way that we approach this and the way that we actually manage the function. And luckily for me, it was the second. Yeah. Um, so the organisation has been open to change and and open to to analysing it and doing things differently. Which is great. And I think uh, the first point you touched on about uh, about malpractice or um, procurement and making uh, ill-informed decisions is the, is, you know, it, I mean, it does happen. It happens uh, globally on, on quite a regular basis. Um, and it's, it's something that procurement professionals sort of uh, uh, certainly in public quite loathe to 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 explore in any detail because it is one of the the, the uh, um, uh, comments that's that's quite often thrown and and uh, I think three of us around the table have had the, had obviously as you say you've had experience of coming into an organisation where um, there are challenges around the perception of procurement. Um, and it's on public record, and there are a number of organisations where it's, it's just not on public record. It, it's just um, and sometimes those, those activities are done either you know not willingly or, or willingly. So yeah. sometimes they are done just because we don't know how to do it better. Yeah, and and that's is, is one of those interesting things. What's what's worse is, is somebody who who makes a, a, a poor decision based out of, based on ignorance, or somebody who makes a poor willful. Decision and uh, and it, it is a it's one of the challenges for procurement to have that transparency where people see the value that that it can, that the procurement function can bring to an organisation as opposed to um, the you know the potential being tarred with the, the brush of, of you know of malpractice or or worse um, and uh, yeah as I say it's something we don't yeah and. and the purpose of the procurement podcast isn't to dwell on on the the dark arts, but at the same time, uh, we have to recognise yeah, that yeah. It, it, it's, it's part of the function. Yeah, it's a it's a fine line because you know I've just spoke about 
supplier relationships and trying to maintain those and improve those. Um, and how far can you well, go down there without a government agency? You've absolutely, within government yeah. space, it's um, you need to be very careful. So it's it's always a balancing act. And um, you know, when I first started here, everybody was very sensitive to it, and um, they didn't even want to talk to suppliers. Yeah. Um, and I said, of course you can talk to suppliers. You should be talking to suppliers. I mean, how else do you understand what's available and what the market's doing? And so that was a that was a really interesting. Um, uh, aspect of it because you know more than one occasion people say am I allowed to talk to I can't talk to suppliers about that so I had to shift that mindset really quite early on to try and if we'd gone too far yeah. in the pendulum had swung too far the other way yeah it's almost sort of it sort of uh, you know it, it makes it uh, um, it puts additional pressure on on both sides of the relationship if you suddenly think well can I do that and one of the interesting ways to flip it is is around things like um, hospitality and, and and such like, and uh, and one of my uh, jobs, a very progressive CEO said, first thing he said, uh, just to let you know, um, you're going to have the same entertainment budget as our sales director. Uh, so really, he said, yeah, I want you to be taking our suppliers, uh, and you're the, you're selling to them the reason why they should be working with our business. So you can take them to the football, you can take them to the cricket, so they Wouldn't don't Wouldn't you that. like that, Rod? Would I ever? He didn't last long in his job. <laughs> but the suppliers lasted with it. It's, yeah. a, it's a really interesting spin on it, though. I think, and I think it's a, it's a, I, it, it genuinely worked because, A, um, it, it took all of that, uh, you know, any doubt out of it, but B, it really messed with the heads of our suppliers because oh, they're going, but you, but I'm the sales, shouldn't I be, please let me get, no, it's, it's all on us. Go, really? What do you want for this? Ah. <laughs> but yeah, and I think, yeah, it's, it's just an intro, interesting way of flipping it to, to take the, take that heat out of it so that you don't, your departments don't find themselves uh, in, in a, Difficult position, but uh, anyway. But, yeah, the maybe, maybe you can try to sell this uh, next phase of uh, next level of procurement. Yeah. I'm not really sure if I've got that much executive support. Yeah, it's slightly difficult, more difficult with government money as well. But that's the, that's one of the challenges. Look, I, you know, I think uh, a lot of the insights that uh, you've shared with us today, Rod, are, are fascinating, and, and uh, um, you sort of really uh, appreciate uh, your view. And, and as the word I keep on. Fillers I kept on coming back to is progressive. It just seems like uh, the setup here is very progressive. Your approach to the way you manage procurement is very progressive, and I think that's a really encouraging thing for the certainly for the people in New South Wales, uh, and also for the broader procurement community to to recognise that um, uh, you know things can be done differently. Things can be done in a way that that takes the, the pain out of it. I think sent being a, a, having a centrally led model. Is is you know obviously works given the size and scope of the um, the rural fire service here in New South Wales. So it's um, you know I really appreciate um, your time and and uh, showing us around the fantastic new facility oh, here, yeah. which is uh, truly remarkable. Is is it? And I think people listening to this podcast. Um, might think um, Rod is the the dream boss, so you might get a few phone calls. Say, hey, do you have any opening for us? Because uh, it sounds like the the organisation to work for. And oh, it's a great organisation to work for. Fantastic. And, and one final question is 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 one. So, so what's what's the worst procurement decision you've ever made? 
Goodness oh, me. Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> we told you you had to wait until the <laughs> end of the podcast. <laughs> Give me time to think about it. Um, I did, did I, I gave you two seconds. <laughs> now, there's been a couple of spectacular failures um, where um, we thought the evaluation actually gave us the best outcome. Yeah. And clearly when we got into implementation, it didn't and I'm certain most, if not all, procurement people have been in that space. Um, and to, you know, regardless of your best endeavours, um, for whatever reason, it just doesn't work out at the end of the day. So, well, you know, you know we, we already knew you're a human, but you've also proved that you're a procurement professional as well. Because if you hadn't had one of those failures, you wouldn't been, you know, you would kind of been in procurement that long. But <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think all it remains uh, for me is to say thanks very much, Rod. That's been fantastic. Thank you, Rod. Uh, Rod Lambert, the CPO of New South Wales Rural Fire Service. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you, Rod. Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening to the Procurement Podcast with Andy and Christoph. For more information, please visit our website, procurementpodcast.com, and feel free to email us your questions at info at procurementpodcast.com. <laughs>